Get your pen and paper ready. It's time for another edition of The The Flex. The absolute best fantasy football podcast in existence. I'll say this, not to say that I disagree, but... I disagree. Oh my God. Presented by Broadway Sports. All right. Flexers ready? What's up, Flexers? We are flexing tonight. Just the two of us. It's me, Justin Graver, joined by Robert Greenlaw. Zach's got some other stuff that he's not able to join us, and Ryan has abandoned us forever. So we're going to cover the Week 11 preview tonight. How's it going, Mr. Rob? I am doing great. You know, um, in, my, in my personal life, I'm doing great. In fantasy, I'm doing terrible. Uh, I, just, I pulled the plug on one of my uh, leagues of record today. Everybody's on the trade block uh, except for a couple keepers. So that that league is uh, is dead to me. But they did just, finally pay me out uh, my winnings from last year today. So that was nice to get it. You know, almost a year later. Nice, nice. Is this the league where your team was super stacked with like yeah, Antonio and it was and like Alan Kamara. Yeah. And- <laughs> I literally looked at it today before I put everybody on the the trade block, and I thought, how is this team so bad? I think they're four and seven now. And I looked at him like I. If I redrafted this team, I'd be very happy with it. And it, they are terrible. Well, hopefully everyone out there is not doing terrible. Hopefully you guys have been, you know, watching this show every week. And we've been hopefully providing the advice you need. Because this is the most accurate show hosted by two guys in maroon t-shirt sweater combo things right now on the air. The Flex. Tune in. BroadwaySportsMedia.com is who we are presented by. And don't forget, we're going to answer all your start-sit questions. You got trade questions. Trade deadlines are coming up. You got fantasy playoff questions. Those are right around the corner. Drop them in the chat. Join us on YouTube or Facebook. Unfortunately, Twitter has not um, given us the functionality to include your comments from Twitter. So you can watch on Twitter. You can write comments on Twitter. But we will never see them, so don't do that. Go to YouTube, go to Facebook, and we'll answer your start and state questions. But before we do that, Rob and I are going to walk you guys through a few Week 11 topics to preview this week's games. And we're going to start with some wide receivers who are on quite a tear right now. And hopefully they never stop never stopping. Starting with Debo Samuel. What have you got for us on this guy? Yeah, Debo Samuel's been terrific this year. He's got like over 50% of the target share for the 49ers, which we thought was unsustainable. And it's not as sustainable, but he's still getting touches, you know, everywhere. He, he's been averaging, I think, over eight targets in all but one game. The one game he didn't have eight targets, he had five targets and he had five rushing uh, attempts also. So they're getting him the ball in different ways. They're being creative with him. Um, his yak ability is, is tremendous as it's always been. Uh, so he's, he's been super productive. I really have no, uh, no problems with him going forward. I I would list him as a top 10 wide receiver rest of season. And he's, he's got a good strength of schedule too. I think, especially during the playoffs, uh, if I remember correctly, but he's been, he's been quite good. 
He's been unbelievable. He's on a historic pace. He's on pace to be to have the second best fantasy season by a 49ers wide receiver ever. The first best being a Jerry Rice season. So anytime you're mentioned in the same company as Jerry Rice, you're doing something well. It's felt unsustainable all year, but he just keeps making these big plays. And he's obviously the the go-to guy in the offense, even with George Kittle back, even with Eli Mitchell getting 27 carries. Debo Samuel still produces. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Even with Brandon Ayuk coming back a little bit. I mean, Brandon Ayuk's not like a focal point of this offense, but he is more involved and Debo's got 50 more targets than him, which is nuts. That's a lot. Let's also talk about another wide receiver who's been doing really well. He didn't have a great game last week against the Jags, but still put together five catches for 72, I think, yards. Michael Pittman Jr. in Indianapolis. He has been crazy efficient this year. And he's currently the wide receiver seven overall. And I am a little worried about some aspects of his production fantasy wise, but what's reassuring is he only has five touchdowns this year and he's still the wide receiver seven. So the volume and the efficiency high catch numbers in most games, he only had five last week, but again, kind of a weird game against the Jags where the indie offense kind of shut down in the second half. And I'm a little worried about the touchdown numbers because he had two against the Titans. And in all of his other games this year, he only has three total. So you hope that the touchdowns continue to come. Jonathan Taylor's playing really well, which keeps this indie offense, you know, within the red zone, he's scoring touchdowns. So Pittman's a big target that you hopefully can get more red zone work, but just being wide receiver seven with only five touchdowns in through 10 weeks, that's a pretty impressive place to be. And I think that when those touchdowns start to come towards the back half of this year, we're going to see some good stuff from Pittman. As much as it hurts me to say it, I don't like this, but it is a fact that we have to acknowledge. If you have Michael Pittman, you're doing great, and obviously you probably didn't have to pay too high of a price for him, so you're probably looking pretty good roster-wise right now. But Yeah, I think these are guys, these guys you just talked about, yeah, they're league winners. I don't yeah. know if that's what you were about to say, but yeah, both these guys you didn't have to draft very early, and – wide receiver seven and i think debo is like wide receiver four or something like that it's he's very high so the two of them probably winning your league um yeah not much to complain about both guys don't have uh really competition for targets either yeah from the wide receivers obviously the 49ers have Kittle, but uh that's about it and just don't see it like i don't see them stopping that's why this Mm -hmm. category is never stopping never stopping because it's like it's fell unsustainable for Debo. Pittman had the big game against the Titans that w- was his biggest game of the year with two touchdowns. But, yeah, I just think that they're going to keep on chugging along. So let's talk about a different topic here. Some tight ends this week. Such a tough position because it just feels like such a crapshoot every week. Kelsey is, like, the, the best tight end right now by 60-something fantasy points, and he hasn't even had a great year. Darren Waller yep. has had some off weeks. Kittle missed a bunch of time. So give us a tight end you're looking at this week to hopefully help you out if you're in a pinch. Yeah, he was a guy I liked last year uh, when he was with the Cardinals. He got traded to the Panthers, or he signed with the Panthers this offseason, then he got traded to Jacksonville. Since he's been with Jacksonville, he's been pretty good. Last three weeks, he was uh, tight end two, tight end 13, and tight end six. So, I mean, as dependable as you're going to get at the tight end position. He's got zero touchdowns this year, so you none of these stats are inflated you know, by numbers that are going to regress. Like last year we had Tanyan who caught an unreasonable amount of touchdowns compared to, you know, the targets he was getting. Arnold doesn't have the touchdowns. So 
last three weeks, he's had seven plus targets in every single one of those games. Volumes there, even though they're spreading. I think it's pretty equal between him and Agnew, and I, I think uh, Chenault as well, as far as overall targets. But seven targets for your tight end is pretty solid. He might still be on your waiver wire. I know he was pretty widely available as of this this past week. But, I mean, he's been super consistent. I picked him up in a couple of leagues, and he's been plug-and-play. He was my plug-and-play guy while Kittle was out for a little while, too. I mean, you said it, consistent. He He's had this high floor because he has this volume, the targets you mentioned, and the receiving yards are there. And it's almost – I mean, it's not a good thing that he's not scoring touchdowns, but – it feels sustainable because he isn't, like you said, he's not being propped up by touchdowns. Hopefully he starts scoring touchdowns at some point. Jacksonville's offense is so bad. They're rarely in position to score touchdowns. So the flip side of that is they're throwing a lot late in games and he's been Trevor Lawrence's go-to receiver pretty much because Marvin Jones had a pretty disappointing year in and out of the lineup. Nobody else has really established themselves. Jamal Agnew is like, basically a running back he didn't have any catches last week and he still had like 13 fantasy points because he had a 60 mm-hmm. yard rushing touchdown or something like that so it's interesting but yeah you gotta love dan arnold a guy who's on the complete opposite end of this spectrum is hunter henry who has scored at least one touchdown in six of his last seven games more than one touchdown in some of those games last week he had two touchdowns his floor if he doesn't get in the end zone is pretty scary because the volume's not there and the yards totals are not there but he is a red zone target. It doesn't feel fluky to me. It feels like the game plan is get to the red zone, try to run the ball, and when you don't run the ball, it's because you're play-actioning and throwing it to Hunter Henry in the end zone. They're running a lot of heavy personnel sets. Johnny Smith, who knows what's happening to him. I think he was a healthy scratch last week. Yeah, is that right? he was. Crazy. So yep. Hunter Henry's the guy that, that you want right now if you're looking for tight ends in New England. It's definitely not Jonu Smith, and I don't know if he's still out there or if you could try to acquire him in a trade and buy low, sit, not buy low, but like have someone toss him into a trade kind of deal. I think he's a guy that you can start every week, and look, he's not going to score a touchdown every week, but it's like we're looking at one or two weeks over the course of these next few that he's probably not finding the end zone, right? So tomorrow night, Thursday against Atlanta, get Hunter Henry in your lineups. Yeah, and it, it feels like almost like last year with Mike Evans where he'd get one target, but he'd be in the red zone and be for a touchdown. It seems to be the territory we're in here with Hunter Henry. Every single week on red zone, he's scoring a touchdown. So hard to argue with what's working so far. Let's focus here on a game that I think has some sneaky good fantasy value. It's a game that most people aren't really going to be very interested in. The Dolphins at the Jets. I don't want to say bottom feeder teams, but they are bottom feeder teams, two win teams, or I guess the Dolphins have three wins now that aren't really competing for a playoff spot. Who knows what the status of Brian Flores is going forward as a head coach in Miami Tua, same thing. They were trying hard to trade for Deshaun Watson. So who knows what's happening, but this game, I think there's a lot of guys you can start fantasy wise because the jets number one have one of the worst defenses in NFL history. I mean, giving up over 40 points, three times in four games is something that's like never they gave up more points in the last four weeks than the 2000 Baltimore Ravens defense gave up in the entire season. That's insane. So even though the Dolphins offense isn't great, even though Mike Kosicki had seven targets for zero catches last Thursday, I think from the Miami Dolphins standpoint, 
every single skill position player is like a streamable option at the lowest level this yeah. week. I, I agree. It's what's kind of weird to me in this matchup is that you have the Dolphins who can't run the ball at all against the Jets who would love to nothing more than like carry your running back into the end zone for you. It's the classic, you know, very movable object versus the very stoppable force. So <laughs> I don't know how that's going to play out with like Gaskin or uh, whoever it is that's running the ball for Miami. But I agree. I think, you know, last week, uh, I guess it was Josh Allen, you know, threw all over the Jets. I, I can imagine that, you know, Tua with Waddle, Gasecki, they're going to be able to basically do whatever they want on, on offense. On the flip side, the Jets, I like Emmanuel Moore or Elijah Moore here. I don't love the idea of going back to Joe Flacco. I don't understand that from like a real life football uh, standpoint. Like, He's he has no future with that team. I don't understand why you're trying to evaluate with him. Give Mike like Zach Wilson's healthy. Mike White's played decently. I mean, last week was bad, but he played decent the other uh, couple games he was in. I don't understand why they're not trying to see what they have in those guys, opposed to throwing in you know, you know, almost a forty year old guy that's that's not going to give you anything. I know they said something about, you know, they're the a blitz heavy team, blah, blah, blah. But who cares? I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I know their offensive line is not great, but like either you get Mike White out there to see what you have in Mike White, who's been in the league since, you know, as long as Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, those guys, or you let Zach Wilson, you know, trial by fire and just go out there and learn something. Your team's not going anywhere this year. There's no point in trying to win with like the best, whatever, most capable right now quarterback on your roster. Yeah. Y- these guys aren't going to learn anything from Joe Flacco. I mean, give me a break. It's stupid. All that said, I'm all in on Michael Carter. I still think he's a guy you can flex pretty much every single week if he's not in RB2 by now. And Elijah Moore, I agree. Like, I like the idea of Elijah Moore, but I do have pause knowing that Joe Flacco is going to be the quarterback in this game. So the Dolphins think, defense did a really I nice job. Finding last him, week. Yeah. Finding him late in the game last week was kind of what keeps me optimistic on, on more this week. Flacco hit him for a touchdown late in the game last week. So at least he's like on his radar. It's not going it, to, there's probably going to be plenty of dump offs, but there's also going to be some opportunity there. And, I, I, the other reason I wish Mike White was starting is Ty Johnson was a very startable flex option the past couple of weeks because he was getting like seven targets, six or seven targets a game for Mike White. Now I don't know if that's going to be, you know, Michael Carter or what, what the, you know, dispersion is going to be target wise. But yeah, I, I do agree that Michael Carter is probably the safest option on this Jets offense to start. So I think that there's like, possibly anywhere from five to eight fantasy starters in this shitty game that nobody really mm-hmm. cares that much about. But I do think it's, it's something interesting if you're playing DFS or whatever, you're looking for some some sneaky fantasy points. There's a chance the Dolphins' defense just obliterates the Jets, and that's, I mean, that's very much in the realm possibility. Dolphins' defense would have been a good start two weeks in a row now. So against the Texans two weeks ago and against the Ravens last week. So who knows? Maybe they're coming on a little bit. But I think even if that is the case you get garbage time points from the Jets offense. So you, either it's a high scoring game or the Jets offense comes in late 
I do think the Dolphins are going to win. Although it wouldn't shock me if they completely fell flat on their face after last week's game. So no, me neither. Um, we got one more topic here. It's bounce back wide receiver candidates. And after that, we're going to be answering questions. However, we only have one so far, so we need more questions to answer. If you have fantasy football questions, they can pertain to this week. They can pertain to the future, the playoffs, trades you're trying to make, start sits. They can pertain to nicknames for the Titans defensive line. We are here to talk about that if people are interested in that conversation. Um, so get your questions in the chat. We're going to wrap up our topics here with a bounce back wide receiver discussion. The first guy on our list is Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. Uber consistent guy for like 20 straight games. And then they played the Dolphins last week and things didn't go well. What are you thinking with Marquise Brown? I mean, he's been, for the most part this season, super consistent. I think he's been like a top 17 wide receiver all but three weeks. And those three weeks have been like, pretty bad like 40th or worse as far as wide receiver rankings but that's only three weeks the other in the last three games he's had 14 12 and 13 targets he's going to capitalize on this on opportunities that's just so many targets to have he was wide receiver five i think a week ago i think this was just a weird thursday night game uh for him i mean normally you don't have that many targets and not produce at that level like being wide receiver 40 when you have 13 targets is ridiculous he's he's very like he's a very special player in the fact that he can create explosive plays but he's also getting targeted so much like you don't see like I, when i think of guys like that i think of like will fuller uh, a couple of years ago where he wasn't or i guess like three or four years ago he wasn't getting a ton of targets but if he did capitalize on him he was taking him to the house marquise right. brown could do the same thing but he's getting 13 opportunities a game like, that's absurd and that's something i want to bank on i don't like those guys that are like explosive guys typically like regardless of his legal situation henry ruggs was never a guy i was going to be in on him from a fantasy perspective because i don't like having to bounce or you know bank on a a 60 yard 160 yeah that 60 yard play Whereas Marquise Brown can give you that and he's getting so many opportunities, it makes his floor extremely high and that ceiling is insanely high. It's almost like Tyreek Hill. Yeah, it's crazy. He's the only player in the league with 12-plus targets in each of his last three games. And you'd think that re the return of Rashad Bateman would have like maybe made the target competition tougher for him. His tar average targets per game without Rashad Bateman was 7.6. His average targets per game with Rashad Bateman 11.0 like what that's so counterintuitive yeah. but you said it i mean he's he's just getting that volume that i think he can be relied on i am going to interrupt the show to land a plane really quick bring back an old bit that we haven't used in quite a while we're signaling in here it comes we have a landing arriving whoa wow what a blast from the past you guys what's up Good show. Did you, uh, you didn't get the wine-colored shirt memo, I see. I, I came straight from work. I'm sorry. It's been a long night, soccer practice, and then just got in the driveway about five minutes ago wa watching the show. And you know, look pretty lonely, so I figured I'd come out and just say hi for a little bit and then give you one of these. Hey, thank you so much, Ryan. We appreciate it. No problem. Not sure much value I'll add, but I'm here to hang out, and if you want to throw a question or two towards me, perfectly fine. Well, 
how how do you feel about Marquise Hollywood Brown? Is he Hollywood Brown? Is he Miami Brown? Is he are there any other cities in Florida? Uh there's a few, but I don't Tallahassee. think he's <laughs> Jacksonville. He's Jacksonville Orlando. Brown. Orlando <laughs> Brown. There you go. Hey. So y'all are on y'all are on receivers. Yeah, we're about to wrap up this uh, this thing. We're 20 minutes into the show, and we've already t- gone through all of our topics. So we got no, one no more. We sec- got the second half of this topic left. Don't sell. We it do short. have one more bounce back wide receiver candidate, and actually, I've decided to name this category. What can Brown do for you? Because we're talking about a pair of Browns here, a pair of Browns who recently went through some lineup changes, shuffling going on. Rashad Bateman returns to the Ravens lineup. A.J. Brown loses his teammate Derrick Henry, and then Julio Jones goes on IR. So some shakeups there. A.J. Brown, 15 targets the last two weeks. Six catches. What the heck's going on? Some drops in the uh, the first game, that's for sure. He had two two drops that definitely would have helped his stat line. He had 11 in that game. I think yeah. he had, what, four in this past game, which, you know, obviously isn't great. Uh, but I do think – and. You guys can disagree if you think I'm wrong, but I do think Ryan Tannehill being sick limited how much they wanted to pass the ball on Sunday. I think he was sicker than, you know, we might think. The reporters at the end of the game said he looked horrible. I think once they got that 20-6 to lead, they were like, all right, let's shut this down for the most part and just try to coast to a win here. That they did. That's another thing these two guys have in common. Both of their quarterbacks are sick. We should mention Lamar Jackson was sent home from the Ravens facility on Wednesday because he was sick. They said it was not COVID. So this guy's already had COVID twice. That's shocker. Yeah, that's a real shocker that it wasn't COVID this time. <laughs> uh, but what's going on? Lamar Jackson, he got sick during that Monday night, or was it Thursday night football game against the Browns? Or the, um, trot, the trot gate? Yeah, this guy no. gets sick a lot. I mean, what's the deal? Well, but, just – to pause and saying go back on AJ Brown uh, before we go to the Marquise and the Trotters. I mean, and uh, and Lamar Jackson. I just think that the Titans' offense as a whole was trying to find some identity, and you mix that with Tannehill, as as Greenlaw was saying, with a little tummy issues, whatever is going on there. And and clearly, and here's the thing: Tannehill couldn't get into rhythm on Sunday because I think it was pointing down some threads. There was four or five big drops throughout the game as well. AJ Brown was definitely one of those. Ball could have been placed a little better, in my opinion, but still, it was a drop because. It is hands catch the ball. So I think that they're still trying to figure that out. But, you know, across from AJ, Marcus Johnson ate because I think a lot of teams knowing that Julio is out is causing them to – I don't think they did anything real special with AJ, but they did a little bit to take away that coverage and to look and make it easier for the other people because they said AJ's not going to beat us with how they practice, which is the only times that AJ really got open when he's coming across the field, getting away from some of that extra attention. Uh, and again, and they basically put Lattimore over Johnson. Johnson cooked it. I mean, so that, that's a good sign for the Titans offense, I think, going forward when you have someone, Marcus Johnson, who – if you listen to some has been coming, this was his just, just, just do coming up and, and everything like that. So I think AJ and the Titans offense are still trying to find their way. So moving forward with, with Julio on IR and with the emergence of Johnson, maybe this passing game can be more of a threat, but that running game for them, for me has to get going and they have to go to Foreman a little more. Once that gets going again, then I'm going to trust AJ on a week to week basis right now. It's still a little wait and see for me. I think and, another I think, big part. All right, go, go ahead. ahead all right, I'll take it. Um, another big part of AJ's performance, I think. I mean, the 11 targets against the Rams is a huge, that's like what you want to see volume-wise. The four targets against the Saints, I mean, I do agree with everything you guys just said. I also think the Saints have a good defense overall, 
and True. the Texans don't. The Patriots mm-hmm. do. So weeks 12 and then week 13 bye, those aren't the best games. Um, I mean, that's not ideal if you're an A.J. Brown fantasy manager right now because you're looking ahead at those games, and it's like week 12, Patriots, pretty good defense. That doesn't mean A.J. Brown's going to have a bad game. Week 13, no. obviously, bye. And the way then, things go, A.J. Brown's monster game is the first the Patriots. You know? it, could, it could very well be a 10 for 150 kind of day, yeah. although you look at what Bill Belichick typically does to opposing offenses, yeah. limiting their – number their primary weapon and, and the without Titans have one best guy <laughs> <laughs> so maybe uh bill looks at the the game against you know that they just played and says oh maybe marcus johnson is the best guy <laughs> i doubt that yeah, maybe uh trick him a little bit i i do think i would want to point out i think Superhorn brought up in our chat that the uh the one that aj dropped it was very close, he said, to being a touchdown. He said if it's blocked, if the offensive line blocks for like a half a second more or something, that one is taken to the house. So I do think with AJ, just like with Marquise, you have these potential explosive plays. So I do love seeing the 15 targets in the past two games. I think that matters more than anything ultimately. But just know that like things are always like, you know, just off from being an explosive for AJ. Like it doesn't take much for him to, to generate a, a long touchdown. Sure. Sure. It will be rainy. I think that I read for the, Houston yeah, I think so. I don't know if y'all mentioned that and I apologize if I missed it. No, but, we didn't, but that's important to know because I think that that's even more reason. I think there's, there's just a lot of, for me, that's going on that the Titans are still trying to find their identity in the run game. It's going to be a rainy day. You've still kind of got that still figuring out who we are in the passing game. Doesn't mean they can't hit some some big shots and, and take their chances in rain because they're professional athletes that still catch a, a, a wet football. But there's a lot of things going on that I'm like, I'm very iffy about this, which is why I made my Patriots joke that that'll be that when he's not supposed to, that's the one he's going to go off mm-hmm. in. But there, but to y'all's point, opportunity is there. Just I, I want to see some stuff happen first. Yeah. Something Big Dante think- Foreman week this week with the with the rain and with Jeremy McNichols being concussed and all that stuff could be a huge Dante Foreman week. I would imagine he's going to pick up the third down uh, responsibilities. Well, this is going to be all about who they trust to protect the quarterback in those situations. So Foreman's only been there for a few weeks, although he was there for a while last year too, but I don't he hook him, but I don't know. He he doesn't strike me as like a guy that they absolutely trust to know all of the protections and stuff at this point yeah but he's also a very valuable viable wide receiver out of the backfield from what i've seen he's, very, he's, he's above capable like and, and i know derrick henry's made a lot of, of strides in the passing game and he's done so much better there he's still not a natural pass catcher and Agreed. he's more explosive and i'll give you i'm not trying to compare foreman and henry no one in their right mind would ever do that but I think Foreman brings an extra little wrinkle to this passing game. And they start utilizing that and getting him some looks as well. And I think McNichols is the better receiver. But I think if you're trying to replace what you're missing in the backfield in Henry and McNichols, Foreman seems like the perfect candidate to try to replace or attempt to replace both. Yep. Agreed. All right. Receivers, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, totally. Great conversation. I'm wondering if you guys are ready to get to some questions. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Your penguin in the back says yes. <laughs> Duga. So look, we got or Duga. Sorry, I always pronounce it. Ah, Thank you. Anyway. Um, Kenyon Drake or Mike Davis. I'm assuming are the two people here because uh, I mean, frankly, I don't know. There's some assumption going. This could be Drake the rapper versus Corey Davis for all we know. 
But I'm going to assume it's Kenyon Drake versus Mike Davis. And Mike Davis, of course, playing on Thursday night. Cordero Patterson, game time decision. Ian Rappaport seems to think that he's not going to play. So I would not count on Cordero Patterson playing. Mike Davis, thoughts? So Drake still has to battle for a lot of competition in that Raiders backfield. And they're kind of a mess right now anyway. Right? Or am I, am I kind of misthinking that? Yeah, um, but he's been the red zone guy. That It's basically... Sure. Josh Jacobs until they get within the into the red zone and then it's all Kenyon Drake. Uh, Sucks for Josh Jacobs. It's very um, it Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt esque. Yes, oh, okay. yes, or Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, circa twenty twenty. Um, I am out on Mike Davis. Period. Completely out on Mike Davis. He burned me so bad this weekend. He got I think one point. And I hate to even bring it up on the show, but freaking Wayne Gallman outrushed or out rushed him this week. He did, but <laughs> I think it was Art Smith or maybe somebody said after the game that that was basically because the game was so out of reach that they didn't want him. That makes like- me feel a little bit better, but I'm still I do not trust Mike Davis at all. I think I literally think he got 1.8 points this week. Um, I agree. And that was with a, a banged up Patterson. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had 1.8 points again against the Patriots. who have a pretty great defense, top five defense in most categories statistically. And Kenyon Drake has been pretty good lately. So if this is a situation where you're like, oh, no Cordero Patterson, maybe now I can finally get some value out of Mike Davis, who I spent like a third or fourth round pick on. No, don't think that way. Yeah, Start Kenyon don't Drake. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. Here's a question. Jalen Waddle and Damian Harris for Deontay Johnson in PPR. Is this a trade that you would make courtesy of Tennessee Tickle Monsters on YouTube? Thanks for joining us, Tennessee Tickle Monsters. Thanks for tickling up. Terrific name. Terrific name. Terrific. Give you one of these. Are you getting, are you getting Waddle and Damian Harris? Because if so, then yes, I would do that trade. I would not do it the other way around. I don't think. I think yeah, Harris like is one of the only of running backs. Yeah, Harris is one of the only running backs you can count on week to week. Uh, Waddle is very startable. Uh, Deontay Johnson, I I don't know if he's giving you that much more than Waddle, for instance, you know, much less giving up a running back one for it. I think if you're doing this trade, you're gaining Damian Harris, basically, because I think the receivers are a little bit of a wash to me, and especially if Tua is going to start playing more. He seems to have a pretty good uh, production, or at least from what I've been paying attention, this is not me looking at stats, just from what I see in stat, or excuse me, seeing from the game highlights. It seems like they've got kind of a little more of an understanding, and, and, and Waddle has been doing well. So I think in this trade, if you're getting Waddle and Harris, it's, yes, definitely do it. If you're not, I, I wouldn't do it. If you're thinking no, like, oh, Ramondre Stevenson, he's going to take over and like, I don't know. I feel like they're just going to go RB by committee up there in New England when Damian Harris I, is back. I don't know why it would change from what it was. Like Damian Harrison's, Harris is going to get the carries and then Stevenson is a decent pass catcher. I could just see him stepping into that role. I don't he's think they're going to reinvent the wheel based on you know one game when Harris wasn't even available. He's your new um, uh, Bolden, James White kind of guy down there. Yeah. Here's another one from Tennessee Tickle Monsters. Oh, this is a comment that was made while we were uh, talking about A.J. Brown. I misread this as a question. But I appreciate it. It's a good comment. 
It's also tough trying to find a rhythm without Henry to start off playing the Rams and Saints. Like if they had played the Texans and Jaguars in their first two games without Henry, we might be saying, oh my gosh, this Titans offense is totally fine without Derek. Like who knows, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Melo was making that point, right, in the, in the chat, or, or maybe it was Super Horn or somebody uh, who's arguing against me because I was very pessimistic the other morning. I just felt like getting all my negative energy out for the day. So I, it was probably this was morning. yesterday morning, I think. Yes, it was yesterday morning. I didn't want to carry that negativeness around with me all day, so I just had to get it out into the chat. Um, but that was a good point that, like, coming up against these two defenses probably wasn't a good time to reinvent the wheel with your offense, which is, you know, and, and on the coach corner, that's why we said, don't look for them to do anything crazy here because they don't have time to prepare going against two tough defenses. But again, my whole point was like, I just hate, you know, that they've been very conservative and I know it's all they can do with Tannehill getting sick. There's a lot going against this offense right now. So hopefully they'll get to kind of a get right game, but unfortunately now they're gonna have to deal with the rain and the Texans. So it's, it's just, I would love for them to blow out the Texans and, and be done with it, but I think it's going to be a sloppy game. It still could be a 10 point game, but it's just going to be a weird game. If you have offensive players on the fantasy team. And last week, the Titans just didn't convert in the red zone either. Like, that was a huge difference in the us looking at that game and saying, oh, the offense is fine, is that they didn't convert. They kicked way too many field goals in that game, and it made it closer than, you know, the actual score should have been. That and taking the foot off the gas in, like, eight minutes to go in the third quarter. Like, yeah. <laughs> good Lord. Yeah. Yeah, they had that yeah, one the, drive. The two, I think they had two series straight where they ran it on first and second down, got almost no yards, and then, you know, did kind of the thing screen. they did pre-Vrabel where you're throwing from like third and 13 or something. Yeah, and with Nate Davis doing spin, spinorami <laughs> up with twists, that's not a very good look for your offensive line. Good Lord. Anyway, not a Titans podcast, fantasy podcast, sorry. Yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, though, Start AJ Brown. Um, all right. If Saquon Barkley is healthy to play, should I start JD McKissick, Brandon Ayuk, or Sammy Watkins in the flex? What's the question? Uh, probably Barkley. never Sammy Watkins for me. Agreed. If Saquon Barkley is healthy, so how does I'm confused because maybe it's I think he's saying right? that the other two he would have to start two of those guys if Barkley wasn't healthy. Now he just has to start one. Ah, okay, good for you because starting two of this group is not ideal. <laughs> Um, I would bench all these guys and pick up Hunter Renfro. There we go. There's your answer. <laughs> but of these three, um, Ayuk? Yeah. So this question is a Ayuk great segue. Ayuk has the Jaguars real quick. Uh, McKissick has the Panthers, which is a horrible matchup. And Watkins, it doesn't matter who he has. I don't even yeah, know like, don't, don't who even, they play. Don't. I, I'm out on them. So I would probably start Ayuk, I think, out of these three. because Purely based on matchup. I would. My gut would tell me McKissick, but based on matchup, I would say Ayuk. That's a great segue into this next question. Time to sell high on Antonio Gibson. Last week, Antonio Gibson got in the end zone twice. He had like 20-something carries. He only had like 60-something yards. But two touchdowns jd mckissick was still very much involved as the pass catching guy but gibson finally got a huge workload and the goal line carries most importantly that we've been waiting for all year is it time to sell high on gibson are we high on gibson we've always been high on gibson right even when we're low 
<laughs> True. MPX1606 on YouTube says, I'm so excited for Gibson. He had his career high in carries. He was in on half the third downs and also caught two slants from the slot. One of the catches was a third and nine. It's very true. While McKissick was still involved as a pass catcher, Gibson's usage in that area increased. Definitely the biggest workload he's seen all year. So my thought is that he's getting healthy. And the yep. first half of the year, he wasn't healthy. And so they didn't want to throw a huge workload on him and possibly make his injury worse. Now coming off a bye that he is healthy. I think this could be the Gibson that we see down the stretch. I agree. And his mat, his matchups coming up this week stinks against the Panthers. So actually, if you can get him super low after this Panthers game, I would consider it because it opens up quite a bit after that. He gets the Seahawks, Washington or Seahawks, Raiders, Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys. So very favorable going forward after this week. So you probably draft him high. You're probably not going to get a ton for him. So I'm personally, I'm keeping him just to write it out. I mean, that's, it's probably a terrible decision. So don't listen to me, but I'm, I'm keeping him and writing this out. I, Plus, I think before you, get, before you get to your, your, before you get to the food. <laughs> no, no, I'm still on Gibson. Okay. Plus if you, if you, You've ridden with Gibson this long. More than likely, you've been high on him since he came into the league. You've had high hopes for him. You've seen the flashes. Let your long bet pay off. Enjoy the time you're going to have over those next few weeks. And even if he doesn't, you you know, you might or may not have gotten something for him anyway. But I think you need to roll with it now that he's getting all these, the, high, the career high in touches, the red zone touches, all these things working in his favor, getting healthy for the first time, team trusting him with more. Do yourself a favor. You've stuck with him this long. See if he can see if he can take you to a championship or get you in the playoffs. Yeah. And I he agree. was probably drafted as your running back one. What are you gonna get for him that's better than you know, that's better than him? Are you gonna get a, a wide receiver two or something and then have to play two inferior running backs? I think I'd rather just stick with, you know, Gibson and hopefully the that ceiling hits. Yes, yeah, agreed. So coming back to Will's question, no, do not. Mistakes await if you do this. All right, last comment here. Wait, one more before we get to that. I'm never going to trade Gibson, even if someone offers me CMC and JT. Now, that is a little too extreme. Maybe you're I a big Memphis it. fan. I love the conviction. Yeah. I mean, sell it, baby. <laughs> but, uh, That's what you should that. tell everybody in your league, that you'll never do it. And that way they'll send you some ridiculous uh, trade proposals, and then you can accept one of them. Boom. All right. Last comment was congrats to me on finally having a good food take on Twitter. You know, I was actually a little sad firing that tweet off the Thanksgiving foods tweet because I was like, I like to stir up the timeline with my more controversial <laughs> food takes rather than just. And like that was your most one. normal one. Yeah. You were targeting one person individual with that tweet. You know, you were, I was, I was trying to get the quote tweet from Mike <laughs> to boost the, uh, to boost my own profile there. And it worked. And you got it. And you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Rough day for Mike. He comes up with a horrible nickname for the Titans. And he, he, yep. And he thinks that, uh, you know, Thanksgiving food is trash. Just horrible. <laughs> Wes, I'm sorry. Big thumbs down. Big thumbs down. You're late on this one, bud. So, look, we'll hang out for one more minute if anyone wants to get any last questions in while I rattle off this ending spiel. Yeah, it's good to see y'all guys again. If I can just for a minute, I know that I've been gone for a little bit. And I don't know if, when I'll be back. There's a lot changing in my life right now and just got a little too hectic. So thank y'all for letting me sit in and kind of 
not take the place of Zach because no one can replace Zach, the the unreplaceable. But uh, I'm I'm very glad to to see y'all again and hang out with y'all on a, on a Wednesday night. Wednesday, I think. Yeah, Wednesday. You're obviously welcome every Wednesday and any Wednesday yeah. that you can make it. Yeah, open invitation. This isn't like the, you know, Mike going back to F words where you have to get a whole <laughs> intro song and all that kind of stuff. You can stop by anytime you want. And, uh, you know, doors always open. Appreciate it. So head on over to shop.broadwaysportsmedia.com and use code FLEX15 to get 15% off any merchandise in the Broadway shop, including your very own Tennessee Tickle Monsters t-shirt. That's right. You can get the Tennessee Tickle Monsters on your own chest, wear it around, lots of color options, and show people that you support (laughs) the movement. Who doesn't support the movement? Too many people. Everyone supports the movement. Even Jeff Simmons supports the movement. I don't know if anyone know. saw, but uh, Trevor on Twitter, I think it's the Trevorand is his uh, Twitter handle. He posted the real uh, video of Jeffrey Simmons saying that he loves the Tickle Monster name. So he said it's something that it makes them feel aggressive when they're playing. It's everything the Titans want to be on defense. So he said that's who support we are. The cause. Yeah, exactly. Support the cause. Get a T-shirt. If someone you know hates it, even more reason to get the T-shirt. Wear it in front of them. Make them a little upset every day. Look, and if and if you don't believe the Jeffrey Simmons unedited video that we were able to that someone was able to dig up, then listen to the other three people out there. That Bud loves it. All right, Ola loves it. Other people have come out in support of the Tickle Monsters. Ramon Foster. Ramon Foster's behind it. Buck Buck Rising's behind it. Everybody's behind it. Get on the train now. Get you a t-shirt. Don't behind it. Come on. And you know who's not behind it? Paul Kuharski. So if you want to be like Paul, be anti-tickle monster. Come on, Paul. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We got a question during all that nonsense. Keep Rashad Bateman (laughs) or Christian Kirk. Whichever one's in favor of the tickle monsters. Bateman's been pretty good recently. And I think he's only going to get better. I think Kirk, you've probably seen, who knows when Kyler's going to get healthy. And a lot of Kirk's value hinges on that. But Bateman's only going to get better. I think I would uh, keep Bateman. And if we're looking ahead like to future, to the future, I don't know how many years does Kirk have left in his Arizona deal? Is this the last year of his deal? I think it is. Kirk could end up somewhere cool. I think you, if this is an, a question about a legit keeper thing, then you'll have until after free agency next year to make your decision. But if Kirk winds up going to be some pass happy offense somewhere, then maybe you keep Kirk because the Ravens are never going to be. Well, I guess they've been throwing the ball more this year. I don't know. What do I know? Well, I mean, Rashad Bateman has had eight targets in each of the last two games. And he's converting those at a high rate with five and six receptions in each of those games. Uh, TDs aren't coming, but if, if you see uh, my rule of thumb for this is when you see if you're trying to decide between two receivers, and you see one that has been having a high a high process of volume, or excuse me, a high volume of, of targets. You know that eight to ten range, those kind of things, and they are also making six to seven catches out of those targets, and they're being highly productive. The yards and the, the touchdowns, you need to kind of look at what. That's your floor for them. That's what you need to expect. They're going to get around that from there. And if they get a touchdown to add to that, then that's just icing on the cake. That's going to have to go into that. But he's been fairly active in an offense, even through some of the instability. Yeah, he's been a wide receiver three, three of the four weeks he's been playing. So I think that's that's all you want. That's exactly what you want as a wide receiver three. Kirk has probably a little bit higher floor when uh, Kyler's playing. But like Ryan said, Bateman's not touchdown dependent at all right now. 
So it, when he starts catching those, it, those numbers are going to end up in the wide receiver two range instead of wide receiver three. That's very true. So hopefully that answer helps you out. I'm pro Bateman. I've always been anti. This has been an anti Christian Kirk podcast for two years now. So and I'm so I'm still. That's one. I I wanted uh, the Titans to draft Bateman, man. I, I didn't know. I knew that probably wouldn't work out with what their other needs were, but I was I was high on Bateman coming out of Minnesota, man. I, I just thought that he was a, a good looking prospect uh, and a good football player too. Bateman or Farley? Probably need a Bateman. wide receiver this year too. Now, so yeah. Bateman or Farley. Well, so you definitely need corner in this league. So I, I just – here's the thing. If, if Farley can be healthy, he's going to be a stud. And I think that he showed some of that when he was, but obviously there's some concern there. So I don't know. I, I think that if you get Bateman, then you don't have to – you don't have to dra- you don't have to trade for Julio potentially. So that changes the whole landscape, right? So we, we, you know, we can get to the what if, the alternate universe. of they draft something like Bateman, maybe they don't go after Julio. Maybe they go after Gilmore or something, you know, that they try to go after a corner. I know that doesn't fix your corner for the amount of time the Fulton – or excuse me, Bolton is going to be there, my bad, uh, that Farley possibly could. But I, I think that I'm still kind of as a, you know, you think in the future about far, a healthy Farley opposite Christian Fulton. That's, that, that's, that's kind of hard not to get away from. But I did like Bateman at the time coming out. So I think I would probably lean Farley to answer your question for the future. Yeah, cool. I think more fa- like factors in there a little bit for me. Uh, more over uh, Bateman at the time of the draft and probably now too. But yeah, I think Farley's probably going to end up if he can stay, stay healthy for the Titans. Right. Oh yeah. That's, that's going to be the key. That's the key for any player. Let's be honest. I mean, and then people saying that, that Farley was injury prone and the Titans should have known better. He, he tears an ACL on a knee. He's never torn an ACL before on and everything, every concern was around his back and it was a fluke play. If you go back and watch it with the way he dove, just and the way he was, trailing that tackle so awkwardly it just i don't i don't think that that makes him injury prone now if he does it again next year i'll start to say yeah maybe this maybe this dude just hasn't <laughs> he's got some bad luck like a, a former quarterback for the titans oh don't talk about that um <laughs> all right i think we've done as much as we can do without zach tonight zach would easily take us to an hour 15 minute episode but we're going to cut this one off around 46 minutes Zach would be mad if I didn't tell you all to go to www.broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can sign up there, become a premium member because you don't want to miss what's coming soon. Broadway Sports Media soon will have a very unique thing in this local media landscape that no one else can offer. So make sure you sign up for premium membership before that drops to be involved in that. It's just a tease. Can't tell you what it is yet. It's a secret. It's coming. It's going to be cool. But that's all we got. We're done with this week. We'll be back next week probably to do another show almost exactly the same way. So remember to come in, get your questions in. Don't watch us on Twitter because Twitter is communist reign. That's actually where Zach was tonight. He was at Twitter quarters petitioning that they would fix their comments for restream. So that's that's right. Applaud Zach when you see him. He's, He's doing the Lord's work. Remember to support the Tennessee Tickle Monsters, and that's it. Until next week, you guys just got flexed all over, or whatever the hell that always is. A Broadway sports media production. Football fans, are you a through-and-through fan of the two-tone blue? Do you enjoy keeping up with the Titans and everything going on around the team? 
Hey, I'm Easton Freeze, writer and broadcaster covering all things Tennessee Titans and the NFL. And I've got a brand new show that is going to be your new go-to podcast. Following the action on Sundays is fun and easy, but so much happens during the busy work week that you're missing. That's why I'm hosting The Titans 10, twice a week, a quick-hitting show where we run down all the news and information surrounding the Tennessee Titans in around just 10 minutes. We're recapping last week's game, looking ahead to this week's game, talking injury news, roster moves, and listening in on the best sound bites from coaches and players during the week. Join me, Easton Freeze, on the Titans 10 every Tuesday and Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. Central to stay informed and up to date on everything Titans. Subscribe to the Titans 10 podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Follow the show at the Titans 10 BSM and me at Easton Freeze on Twitter to get updates and interact with the show. I can't wait to see you there.